Good evening, and welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Scott Page. Scott has been in many bands, Pink Floyd, Toto, Supertramp, just a few bands at the top, the big ones that people would know. He's been playing for years. He has a great history, a lineage with his father. We're going to learn about that, and his technology skills and knowledge and what he's doing now is even, even bigger. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm a lo- I'm a laughing monkey alumni now. After this, show. you are you are you are part of the family, the dysfunctional uh, island of misfit toys. Well, thanks for having me on your show. Really appreciate well, thank it. Thank you. Uh, I'd like you if you could do a little mini bio. But my first introduction to you is like most people probably through Pink Floyd and, and the music in the '80s, and then you, your your wonderful hair. You really stood out. You're quite a performer. I need a haircut really bad right now. I, I know, but you're wings, back when like, I first saw you, you had, but you had power hair. You had the long, yeah. you did good, great. You had great hair. One of the original mullets, man. I mean, you I did, was you one did. of the early mullet guys. Yeah. That was like super yeah, was Thor power. So, but to that point, you were a great performer and I'm a big Floyd fan. So that introduced me. And then I realized that you, oh, you were in Super Tramp, which is another band I love. And you work with Toto and you grew up with those guys. Um, but then looking more into this, there's, you have so much more history from your family. Could you maybe start off and start, we can even start back and you can touch by like from Lawrence Welk. I mean, your dad did a lot of stuff too. Oh, and then, okay. I know. Yeah. There's yeah, a lot of people know. So, yeah. So, you know, I, my father um, was a great musician. I mean, he was, he played 14 instruments. He was a studio musician. And I actually grew up on a television show called the Lawrence Welk show. He was in that band for, I think, 14, 15 years. So my early childhood days were hanging around in, uh, in early TV. Right. So that was That's really awesome. a lot of fun. I, that was a cool thing to have a dad on television every week. You know, that was cool. Yeah. So, um, and one of the things my dad, besides being a, you know, a great musician, he was a serial entrepreneur. I mean, we had, we had, when I grew up, we had boat businesses, lighting businesses, candy businesses. We had 26 donut shops at one time called Bill Page Donuts. And, and wow. the logo of this, the, the uh, sign was a saxophone with donuts coming out of it. Right. Uh, so, and then he was also one of the guys that invented the Wawa pedal, which is the famous guitar pedal. Right. So that he did with a guy, Brad Plunkett, who was the actual the engineer that actually built it but uh uh it was the whole thing and my dad wanted a my dad actually started the amplified uh, instruments uh, thing he took a hearing aid and which flipped around was a microphone and he put it on his clarinet played through an amplifier went to thomas organ company who owned vox at the time and said hey look we can make you know wind instruments amplified like guitars and stuff and so they said wow cool uh so they brought him on and consulted and my dad i remember my dad coming home from I came home from school one day and he says, yeah, we're, I got to find a building to put uh, his amplified orchestra. So he's building out all these instruments, amplified orchestra. He says, you want to go look at a building with me? So we got in the car that day after dinner and we drove out to this place, went in. It was out in the San Fernando Valley. We went and looked around and big giant warehouse and clapped. It was a big noise thing. And he said, like, oh, yeah, this, let's build the studio here. Well, that studio became Sound City. And Sound City was one of the great, you know, all-time classic yep. studios of all time. I mean, the records that came out of there. Dave Grohl uh, just bought, he bought the console, the Neve console out of there. And uh, it did a whole documentary about Sound City. All Good documentary band. and a lot there, but that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Your dad so was that's where I grew up. I grew up as a kid at Sound City. Uh, when I was a kid, it was called the Vox Sound Lab in those days. And that's where my dad, when he went into Brad and he talked about the Wawa, said he, you know, he wanted to make his clarinet sound like Clyde McCoy. And Clyde McCoy was the trumpet player. Womp, 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 womp. You know, that was it. So my dad, can we do that? So Brad took a, a, a pedal, a, a organ pedal, put a potentiometer on it and yeah. figured that out. 
And I remember my dad bringing that home the first day and going, wow, check this out. I can see myself now when I, when he brought it, it was on a, on a piece of wood, a thing and a little simple pedal deal. And uh, actually played for the first Wawa pedal at that time. And, you know, look where that's gone. That's one of the classic guitar. I mean, just right there. Pedal. If you stop doing music right there, that's, that's like, like three legendary things. Lawrence Well, the Wawa pedal studio. I mean, that's, that's already a huge start here. Yeah, it was pretty interesting, you know, so growing up in that and, you know, I used to work in my dad's donut shop. I'll never forget that. You know, we would have a lot of times they we had the 20, you know, we had all these donut shops and sometimes the catering guys would be showing up at, you know, five o'clock in the morning. So the donuts had to be ready to go. Well, sometimes these cooks wouldn't show up and my dad would wake me up because I was a master donut chef by that age. You know, <laughs> I was a little kid, but he would send me, take me over to the place and I cook donuts all night so that they could get the stuff in place. But yeah, really? I, you know, grew up big time in the entrepreneurial spirit. And that's kind of where I, I've come from. So I'm one of those guys that loves art, you know, art and, you know, creative making stuff, but I also love the art of business. And so I've been myself a serial entrepreneur since then. I'm on my fourth company right now. I was lucky. I took one called seventh level with my business partners. We took public mm -hmm. and uh, we were a NASDAQ company. So that was a great ride being a, you know, going out and raising a bunch of money and going building CD-ROM product. And so we did one of my kind of sort of my favorite claims to fame is I, I worked with a gentleman named Richard Merrick, who was an incredible engineer. And together we kind of produced and co-produced, co-produced and directed the world's first interactive cartoon, which was called Toonland. Uh, start Howie Mandel. And it was the, uh, you know, first, it was that whole idea of, of an interactive uh, kind of educational cartoon for children. And that did really well. I mean, that, that was what got us to go public. Uh, we were able to, you know, we actually went around, did our road show to, to, to raise the money for our public offering with a dancing broom on windows, but it was running on windows at the time because windows wasn't much of a, a platform because everything was running right. under DOS because windows was a layer that kind of sat on top and which, you know, ate up a lot of resources. So we had to build to a, a 386, 25 megahertz windows machine, which was with four mega Ram, uh, figure out how to make animation and stuff work. So that was fascinating time, you know, going through that whole tech period and kind of really inventing and developing, you know, new technologies. We had a very strong technology team that built out our engine called Top Gun, which ran this, you know, ran on top of Windows and was proving that Windows could be a multimedia machine. And it was always exciting because Bill Gates would always hold up our product and say, see, you, Windows is a great multimedia operating system. So he used it in all his speeches. So anyway, that was a real fun ride, but that's what really got me into the technology space. And since then, I'd launched a handful of other tech companies through the years. And I'm now on my, my next one now, which is really around the NFT space. And we can get into that later. But yeah, yeah I've had a pretty interesting ride. You know, my whole life I wanted to do, uh, my first thing was to do music. And then I wanted to do business because my father and all this stuff they go on. And then the right. third thing I wanted to do documentary, right? I wanted to get into it. So I've been collecting for years. I mean, 40 plus years, all of my road trips, boxes of just stuff that I put together. And now, uh, now that this world of NFTs have come along, non-fungible tokens, which is another whole another thing. It's the greatest thing that's happened to the independent artist, content holder, creator to finally be able to take control of their assets and their yeah. publishing and everything now. So anyway, so I'm big in that area right now. So I've got all my stuff that I'm building out a whole set of NFTs things and, you know, doing a bunch of things in that space. So this is my documentary part because I figured this is a great way to tell the story that I've kind of pulled together through all these years, through all these crazy road trips and stuff that I've done on the road. I've shot thousands of photos and, you know, 150 
hours of Pink Floyd video that I shot and I'm building a lot of very interesting things like that for right now to, to get out there. But yeah, it's a very exciting time for artists today. It's insane. I don't know how you'd find time to uh, just to do the technology part to find time to also be in all these bands and do all this music on the side and practice and maintain and yeah, hours know, a day for you. <laughs> you know, I love, I, I just, I love it. You know, I'm so thankful. I mean, I'm the most thankful, uh, you know, I've had more fun than any human being and I'm alive to talk about it, which is enough to say after all those years on the road, uh, you know, I just love business so much. I love the art of make of art and I love the art of business and I like combining the two together and, you know, it's a, it's, it's just, you know, I just, I like it. And then, you know, I'm not like, a, when it comes to technology, I understand tech pretty well. And, you mm-hmm. know, I've had, we had 40 engineers in one of our companies. And so I'm around engineering and I kind of made my career uh, since leaving kind of the, you know, the mainstream music business in the sense when I left Pink Floyd, because my company started to take off and, It was just like, you know, I had to go, go do that. Right. It took off. So that was a chance for me to kind of wear my own clothes um, and had a real good run. I did that with Bob Ezrin, who was the, you know, producer of Pink Floyd. He produced the wall and all those great records. And he's one of the great, great, great producers producers of all time. And so I had really had a great time working with Bob through those years as we ran that, ran that company and kind of made that happen. But yeah, you know, I just, I love the art and I love business and I love combining it, you know, and one of the things too, is I've been a startup guy, I've taught, some taught a lot of startup to new entrepreneurs and stuff. And I actually taught a class out at USC, which was kind of interesting to be a professor for a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, I teach a thing called space, which is, stands for story, plan, army, conversion, education. And it's a, it's yeah. a framework, a business framework for artists to start their, you know, their, their business. Right. So, you know, it uses lean startup principles and, you know, I use the lean canvas, the one page business plan. And so I've kind of molded that whole thing around to kind of help independent artists, because right now this is the greatest time for any content creator, business maker, period, because right. we're really going into a total direct to consumer business model. And what I mean by that, that's why I love the NFT space, which NFTs are non-fungible tokens. They run on top of the blockchain, very similar to Bitcoin, right? It's a, it's kind mm-hmm. of a coin where, you know, a fungible token is, you know, something that exchangeable. So if you had a Bitcoin, I had a Bitcoin, I give you mine, you give me yours. We walk away, we still have a Bitcoin. That's the same or a dollar bill we swap. Non-fungible is where you take the blockchain and you basically can connect it to uh, a physical or a digital asset that makes it a one of a kind. So what that does is it basically takes everything and creates value out of it. And you're seeing this massive run right now. People can't crack quite grasp the concept no. of this token. And why would anybody pay, you know, these bored apes? It's a little GIF and they're selling for $350,000. And if you had a crypto punk now, it's close to a million bucks, right? For this one little graphic and people are like, ah, I can't wrap my head. How could that be worth so much? But it is. And there's a reason for it. And uh, again, it's like crypto punks now are almost considered and crypto kitties are considered digital, digital antiques in this world because there's only so many of them. And when you can authenticate something and prove that even a digital asset is the original digital asset, it changes the game and everything's about to get tokenized. Every, I mean, virtually everything, your food, your house, your cars, every restaurant, every, every business will be, will, will involve with uh, non-fungible tokens. Why? Because it, their non-fungible tokens are, 
What's nice about them is they're programmable. They're really experiences. They're fan engagement. NFT ticketing is going to be huge because it's the place where the experience can start the minute you buy the ticket. And so it's right. uh, and it all ties into what they're calling Web 3.0, which gets into the metaverse. So you're seeing the physical world of assets now being made getting digital twins of everything to bring into the metaverse. Right. And it's fascinating. What's it's like um, one of the pay, uh, artists, I don't remember it was Alex Gray or one of them. I can't remember who it was, has created a, an NFT co- collection where he's got a, it's a physical asset and a digital asset. And you have one year to decide which one you want to keep. And then one of them will be destroyed at the end. So if you decide to destroy the physical asset, then you have the, the original digital. If you want to destroy the digital, then you can have the physical asset. So it's uh, the original. So it's, but what we're finding is more of the people want the digital asset than they want the actual physical piece of art. And which is interesting, right? You would think, oh, wow, I want the original because that's the proof of that. But because you can tokenize it, make that piece original. Now that has more value for flex, you know, hey, I own, you know, I own this, you know, copy of the Mona Lisa, this original of the Mona Lisa, that's a big deal in the physical, in the digital world, because now everything's moving into the metaverse. So you want to, people are setting up galleries. I was actually in a gallery the other day in the metaverse, a guy had built, it took three and a half hours to walk through it. There were so many assets in there and he had, he had eight, I think it was eight bored apes, you know, and you can add that up. It's, you know, 350, 400 grand a piece for those. He had a crypto punk with another million dollars. He had like a $5 million gallery right now uh, in there in digital assets. And he's just a massive collector. And so it's a very interesting time. Uh, this whole, these new business models are coming out. And so I encourage anybody in, in business, in content, in creation, artist, whoever's out there, you re- definitely want to put your time into understanding the crypto world, not only the cryptocurrency, which is important because that's how this whole NFT world really works is in the crypto space because it's really if you take an asset and you put something it's almost it's a form of currency. You know, it's interesting. I go to these uh, NFT drops um, and, you know, they have them in Beverly Hills. These people are doing these NFT drops. They do these big parties. And so people are saying, oh, man, you know, you're from Floyd, man. Would you come play my next drop? I said, sure. And they said, well, how much do you want? And I says, I don't want fee. I don't want money. I want I want NFTs. So you're going to pay me in NFTs, not in, in, you know, currency, right? And they're like, why? Because if it's a good drop, those things can go through the moon, right? I mean, they can just go to the, go like crazy. You know, I mean, here, a couple examples was this one guy basically did a, an art piece sold. It was, he said, I'm going to sell up. It was a digital little animated digital draw uh, asset. He says, I'm going to create, I'm going to sell as many of these as that I can sell in seven minutes on the auction block, he ended up saying they were $1,000 a piece. So he sold 4,000 of them. And then, so he made like 400 grand, like in seven minutes. But then on the secondary market, because in the non-fungible token, there's a thing called a smart contract. And the smart contract allows you to put the rules, rights, and roles of everything around that specific asset. There's also, a, he, you know, a lot of these have a royalty built into them. Right. So we got to have a 10 percent royalty in it. So for everyone that sold, well, that asset, those those original drawings went for a thousand a week or two later. We're selling for one hundred and eighteen thousand dollars a piece. 
So every time it sold going up, he made, he got 10% and he made three and a half million dollars off of that one asset in the period of like less three weeks or something like that. So it really is a, a game changer. Uh, there's no question we're going to go through a, a, you know, a correction. So let me ask you, so if, yeah. that guy, that, that, if he sold his, so say the person who sold it, they would actually have to pay percentage of the royalty back to him. Yeah, so somebody it, actually owned art and they just sold it to somebody else. It's, it's hundred percent you, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, you're kind of, Chained to that person forever in a way. It's good for the the salesperson, but if you're a consumer, you still don't feel like you own yourself 100 percent because you're still kind of chained to that person, though. Well, you know, you're you're just getting a royalty, right? You're still giving the rights and roles, whatever you want to give to that person. You're just collecting your your royalty on it, right? I created the movie. I just want my royalty. You guys go out and do whatever you can do. You make money off of it. Because see, that's the fundamental thing that happens now is in the fundamental fungible token market is the first time that the the artist and the fan can both make money. Right. You can both you can we can create something that I'm going to make money and you're going to make money, too. Mm -hmm. And that's the value of this proposition. That's what's making it so exciting. So take the Board Ape Board Ape Yacht Club. Right. The Board Ape Yacht Club is probably is the number one NFT uh, project out there right now. And it's like okay. I think it's 10,000 of not of these little apes. The board apes and everyone is unique. So there, if there's 10,000 of them, you have whatever yours is, is a totally unique. Well, what's happened is, is those apes now, when you buy that, you're getting the rights to that particular ape inside that community. People are creating television shows, merchandise around those apes and making a bundle of money. So they bought the ape. It's almost like you're buying into a, let's say I'm going to buy a, uh, into a, 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 a Mortal Kombat or something. I'm going to be able to take, I'm actually getting to buy it or, or Pepsi. I'm getting to buy that piece of that brand. And then I can mm -hmm. resell that brand and create new derivative works with it. So that whole community is blowing up. It's a billion dollar property right now. Board, yacht, board uh, yeah, when you look at it and there's indexes, you can go look at the, the trading every day on just like you would a stock. You can go look at the trading on these things. And, you know, just the other day I was looking at it, the board ape yacht comes traded seven and a half million dollars in a 24 hour period. So it's a whole new marketplace uh, way to generate money. And, and like I said, we're moving into a direct to consumer business. Do you think so there's why? a downside to it? Is there a downside? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, if you buy something for a hundred thousand dollars and it turns around and it sells for five grand, you lost a lot of money, right? Well, no, I'm not. But that's like the stock market. I'm saying, like, you know, almost like you invest in something, like you know, like a, you get like points on an album or something. And when the album keeps going, you kind of you're like, is there a certain part where you know it's not going to be the value isn't always going to be the same? Is it kind of is it more it's, of a gamble it's, or it's it's speculative? Sure. I mean, again, if it's your artist, so imagine if you were if you were you found this young band and it was called U two and you were following them around in these clubs and you thought, man, these guys are going to big be big. They put out a non fungible token, a collection of stuff that they have when you bought it, and then they turn into U two, right? They become right. this giant band. If you own that token and stuff, that thing could be worth a ton of money. So you get to invest in the careers and stuff of these artists, which changes the game in a, such a big way. Plus, you can build experiences, so utility into them. So people that are selling these things, like the um, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Kings of Leon, did their when they released their last album, they did a drop. Yeah. They sold twenty thousand of these NFT tokened albums same album you can still go buy in the store but these are special okay. because they have special things to them they have special powers in other words they had certain things had some tickets tied to it they had some backstage experience they had things that were there that when you bought that token and they sold that whole thing out in 12 minutes 
made two two million dollars in 12 minutes selling those tokens but now i have that token and you know, on the market those things are going out there somebody's saying hey i paid i paid 500 bucks for it i want a thousand for it and somebody says but i want to own that they can sell it and trade it so there's this whole secondary marketplace that starts to happen in this but you know really like I said, this turns into everything that's going to happen. Your food's going to be tracked on the blockchain. You know, you, you know, you know, Norwegian salmon. Well, how do I know that's Norwegian salmon when I go to the market? It says on the package, right? right? Well, by putting it on the blockchain, tokenizing it and following it through the whole, the whole travel thing, getting on the boat, jumping off to where it was fed, you know, where it was canned, whatever all the process was that, you know, now authentically that that particular thing is actually the real deal. So the blockchain does one major thing. It basically solves this problem. It's called trust because everything is done <laughs> on the blockchain because you, once it gets into the ledger, you can't change yeah. it. That's it. You can add to it, but you can't change it. And it's, it's totally exposed to anybody on the internet. You can go see it's total transparency. You can see everything, owners who and everything that went down. So it's a, this is a major revolution that we're seeing. And we're also seeing, you know, a, a big, shift now in our monetary system you know if, if anybody's looking if you look at the western central banks and the fed and everything we're on a the, globally there's a massive collapse about to go down financially because there's we've just built up this you know crazy crazy monetary system and now we're seeing people if you think about bitcoin and cryptocurrency i i equate bitcoin like a giant sponge in the sea of fiat currency you know the u.s kind of dollars just <laughs> suck it up because I can say, oh, I have my money in my bank. I can hook my freaking debit card up and say, I'm going to move 10 grand over here. Now I just moved it out of fiat. Now I'm in the, the crypto world, right? And one mm -hmm. of the things that's so interesting about crypto is if there's a run on the banks, anything's going to happen, what do you do? You can't, you can't go get your money. The machine, all that stuff goes down. In the crypto world, that's all portable. You can move that stuff around. And if it's on a Bitcoin, it's like a decentralized model. There's no way to really shut it down. So there's a lot of value in this right now that's going into the, this crypto space. And I think you're going to see massive run to that, especially as now we're seeing inflation go through the roof and them trying to print more money, which is just going to basically destroy our monetary system even further than we are. And, you know, unfortunately, enslave us all to uh, debt because, you know, they just reach over and say, hey, we need $6 trillion no problem six how many zero was that type it in go chick bump oh there you go here's six trillion dollars give it to the people hey you guys got to pay interest on that money right you got to pay us for using that money oh right so it's just it's wacky what's going on you know so i think you're seeing a massive revolution and i think you know cryptocurrency we've known as bitcoin and all these other um you know different coins you know solana ethereum all of that is the, and the NFT, which is also a token, is really going to drive the use of that business, too, of, of, right. of cryptocurrency. It's sort of a back-end way because it's dealing with an asset because now you're creating value by connecting that blockchain to that yeah. asset, and people are trading them. So, like I'm saying, you're seeing people – I mean, I know guys are making millions of dollars off of just of trading this stuff right now. Now, we're in the Wild West. It's a big thing. They're going to come in and regulate. There's going to be a whole bunch of issues, but this tokenization thing is not going to go away. It is definitely – 
uh, from my point of view, again, I can never say never, never say never, never, always, I always never say, but <laughs> I will say uh, it's looking pretty like this is going to blow up the entire crypto world to really start bringing people on board because it's easy for people to understand. Uh, you know, I, my favorite YouTube artist is selling his this little video and stuff, and I want to own that because that's like the only one in the world, and I'm going to be the guy that has that ownership. And in my gallery in the metaverse, we're all yeah. My friends hang out, I can show my asset, right? So that's much easier. And it's still a form of currency, right? So it's, uh, I think we're, we're moving into a very interesting, and like I said, when I said direct to consumer, I'm talking about wallet to wallet, right? There's no middleman. And what's beautiful about it, you never have to audit the books because once it's on the blockchain, the robot network or the blockchain basically does all that for you. So let's say you had a 10% royalty in it, or let's say you wrote a song. Right. And there was five of us that wrote a song. And we say that day, 20 percent, 20 percent, 20 percent. Everybody gets 20 percent. It goes into the contract of that actual token. Every time that song is sold, you're going to get your 20 percent as soon as it's sold, because it's just wallet to wallet. The contract divides the stuff up and sends it out at the same time. So and then it tracks it forever. There's no middleman. I'm not going to the record label saying, you know, I don't think I got my payments right. I want to audit the books. There's no audit the books. It's right there in the blockchain. It says this asset sold. It's done. Did you get paid? Everybody gets paid, right? So it's a very interesting model. And when you talk about direct to consumer, man, it's like all of a sudden I don't need as an artist, I don't need millions of people to care about me. I only need a thousand. If there's a thousand people, there's a model that uh, 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 Kevin Kelly from Wired Magazine put out about 10, 15 years ago. It was called the thousand true fans. And a true fan is somebody that will spend $100 a year on you. If I have 1,000 of them, there's my first $100,000 in revenue. And then I can scale. So it really is just about a smaller group of people that really care your hive. I always say, if you want to survive, you got to build a hive because that's really where the model is. I have a friend that is a, um, she's a singer, artist. Uh, she's been doing the warp tour every year, for four years. She's created her own little clothing line and all this stuff. She says, I have about 125 fans that support me, covers my nut for the entire year. 125 people, but she engages with them. She creates stuff. She, they come to her show. She's built that relationship with them, these sort of super fans and then everything else on top of it's gravy, but she knows she got her nut covered by just servicing the fans that, that she cares about. And then she's growing that base. So, you know, my whole model is, is go small, stop with this, trying to get out there, you know, artists trying to get my record out and get all these streams. There's no money in the streaming business. I mean, for most artists, it's a horrible, horrible business because, you know, what is it? A million streams gets you roughly around four to $5,000. Well, that sounds great, but getting a million streams, there's only a two to three, 4% of all of the catalog of Spotify that even has a million streams on it. So right. all the 90 plus percent of those people, they can't even make four grand off their records. Right. So it's not a great business model for most artists. Now, obviously there's the big ones that have the, can get the plays that are on the playlist. And again, you know, the playlists are all owned by the, or the, the all these streaming networks are owned by the labels. So they control right. the playlist and, you know, it's all of that stuff again, but this NFT thing changes the game. Because now, you know, with this, 
this is my 24 I, I mean, you know twitter's my 24-hour cocktail party i can go on and start talking to build people all day long i've got a direct access to my art the consumer so as an artist i just have to learn how to engage them and how do i create value for those people right so that's that's the whole trick you know it's like what has, problem am i solving right i think two things i know um, like Twitter's app has a, a website called uh somebody else called rewards it's very similar to that model where it's, it's um it's based where an artist puts everything in one spot the bandwidth is all paid it, it is a smaller model for artists and they engaging there's videos yeah. they're talking to them it's a whole type of thing like that surprisingly there's not a lot of artists that are doing this right now this model that you're talking yeah. about you know well, you, they're just starting to come they don't understand it yet yeah they don't understand right. it so now see the difference between using an nft and that is i'm now empowering my audience to make money they get to make money too right so that's a the, big the learning curve change. what's the learning curve you're one of the few people that do music and do technology a lot of musicians yeah. have a hard time still doing Zoom. Oh, yeah. And that's time. not a joke. I'm not being making fun of it because some people just, no. it's just not their thing. They don't care. No, right. That's right? why I'm, for me, it's about, so you know. That's a huge thing. I'm still trying to understand when, you know, this stuff. I do yeah, technology for a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the whole thing is it's, you got to go, you got to go to school, right? You got to educate yourself. And the beautiful part is everything's online. I mean, like I, I suggest every artist should go do the 25 to 30 hour deep dive into non-fungible tokens all you got to do is start writing in what is an nft go write that into mm -hmm. youtube and you'll see all these things start watching these videos how do i create an nft boom open see you just gotta you've got to learn but i mean i'm seeing things like this okay a photographer I, I go to these meetups there's a bunch of these meetups one in la uh in glendale so i went there the other day and one of the one of these artists a, a photographer young girl that just is a you're not famous or anything. She's just an artist, shoots photography and trying to build a business around it. She got into NFTs about six, nine months ago and has been doing her drops. And she was telling the story how that she, what was great is in her con smart contract, she carved out uh, a small percentage to her local uh, community center because she wanted to support the community center. Well, here's yeah. this girl. She says it was so exciting that I, I was able to give them two and a half ether, which is about $10,000. So think about it. This is an artist that's just coming up, trying to be a photographer. Nobody knows her, just starting to create her career. She's actually was able to give to her local community $10,000. Tell me how many artists can do that. Musicians, artists that are on the streets that are trying to figure it out. So this model changes everything because it creates value. And there is massive marketplace out there like on OpenSea and Rarible. And there's places because people are now getting engaged with these artists because they, they see a value to buy it and then they can turn around and sell it. So they can collect it. So that there's, it depends. You start learning about the drops, what's happening there. And then those that want to support the artist, it's a great way to support the artist, right? And if then if the artist takes off, then their value of the thing they supported him with makes money. So it's a totally different kind of value exchange between the fan and the artist. And because of that, let's face it, everybody wants to win. And, and when I can engage my army of artists, my, my army of fans to go make money with me, Right. It's incredible. I mean, now I can go do an NFT drop where I can say, I'm going to create this track. Here's a track. It's an NFT. You can buy this NFT and then you can go build on top of it. And then the one that comes out the best, then I'm going to put my stuff on top of what you do. I'm going to send out these assets. You create a track. I'm going to pick your track and then you and me are going to do it. And then we're going to share in the revenue. So now I can start creating models where I can start working with the fans and finding those people that we can generate together. So it's, it's such a game changer in so many yep. ways and when you start learning about what they call tokenomics 
which is the whole, the, the whole, um, what does your token do? Right. What, what, what can my token do? What value can it have? Can it uh, one NFT can lock another unlock another NFT if certain conditions are made so you can gamify these things. You create experiences around them, which allows you to do to basically engage with the fans in a totally different way. Right. So how could you soft sell to newer people to bring them in, though? Like artists would need it and business people, to, you know, to start doing it. How do you bring fans to soft sell to it that people just, you know, aren't aware of what it is? Well, there's, let's put it this way. There are, the, well, the fan, the artist is going to, you know, it's, it's the exclusive thing. You know, these are, these are special experiences for the super fans. And so if you have enough value proposition into your, uh, your token, <coughs> excuse me, um, then they're going to, they're going to sign up. Now where it gets tricky is a lot of times, like if you're using open C, open C is one is the biggest um, kind of NFT marketplace that's out there. You, you have to use, you have to have a crypto wallet. So you go get MetaMask, which is a wallet that you can download from the app store. MetaMask, you sign up, you do the whole thing, and then you can basically exchange. It's how you can take crypto and go buy NFTs and store your NFTs in these wallets, right? It's a little complicated for most people, but there are other ones that are coming out now that are uh, where you can just use your USD credit card and buy the thing, and then it'll automatically do the stuff for you. You can do it. So that starts to get the model moving forward. So there's a big education piece right now. But again, what's good is I might be an artist and I might say, I'm going to put out my EP. I've teamed up with this great artist. We're mashing it together as an NFT. It's got utility. You can, you're going to be able to come to all my shows. You're going to be able to get stuff. I'm going to be doing other drops that you're going to get that are going to be added on. There's specialty things. And I'm only going to sell a hundred of those. And a hundred of those are going to go for uh, $500 because they're a complete collectible or $300 or 200 or whatever that is that you you'll be surprised that there is a marketplace for that. If you build it right, it's all about marketing and the way these things are done. Now you don't just make it and then put it up there. You pre-sell everything. It's called whitelisting. So you're going to set up the whitelist and start driving traffic to that. Hey, I'm going to be doing this drop. If, if you're interested, get on this list. This is going to, these are the people that are going to get access to buy it and people sign up, especially the collectors that are looking for things right now, because like I said, it's a wild west. People are trying to grab up these assets and a lot of them before, before people really understand what it is. Uh, so it's a way to generate a nice chunk of change and then build that royalty in that fan base. And it allows you to keep connecting with them and creating more value for them. So it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's all a lot to learn yet. There's still a lot of things that have to be uh, 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 it's wild West. There's, it's like, I was yeah. listening some, I was listening to some calls the other day, um, with people talking about a drop that's coming and they talk about the tokenomics and that's all of the governance that's around it. So there's a thing that's called the DAO, a, de uh, a decentralized uh, autonomous organization. And what that is, they'll have where you buy, when you buy that NFT, you become, you get voting rights. And then on the blockchain and stuff, now it's governments, governance of the actual tokens that you buy as the community. So the community now starts to run the business, right? It's like a very interesting thing. So we've got this whole, it's like democracy, the people that are invested in it, they're the ones that get to control the, what the tokens do and what can happen with them. So it's a, it's a whole new way of thinking of business. And what we're finding as, is, is people are bypassing to raise money. It's like crazy. So these, these guys, I know they basically built this, uh, 
uh, the ideas they wanted to raise money to build a metaverse. They created their their token, this character thing, this frog thing, and blah blah blah. They went and sold. Uh, they basically sold four million dollars of these in twelve hours to run to go build their app, to go build what they're going to go do. So you get the opportunity now to use the tokens to sell the tokens on the future of what's going to happen, and then raise the money to then go do the to do the the, the asset. So Amelia Kunis and Ashton Kutcher did a show called Stoner Cats. They raised all the funds by selling the NFTs prior to even making the show. So they sold all the stuff that they made, you know, one of a kind drawings of the interview characters and all this stuff that people collected because they're also betting if the show takes off that their assets are going to be worth something. Right. right? So they right. raised money. So it's a great way to raise money. I think it's going to take down the whole concept or not take down, but really dilute the whole idea of a, of a, of a, of a, what do you call it? Go find me. GoFundMe. No, it's like a GoFundMe kind of thing, but uh, LLCs, right? Oh, yeah. uh, this is a new business model to go raise money. So these guys went out, they tried to get venture funding and everything. They couldn't do it. And then with it, they did a, they did a token thing in within, um, within uh, three months, they raised $4 million by doing this thing. And now they have a, they're off to the races and didn't have to take any venture money. Didn't have to do anything. Didn't have to dilute the company. Uh, they got all access to the tokens. They create the stuff. So it's a, it's really the new way businesses are going to be freaking happening. Right. So it's a, it's a very exciting thing. So any entrepreneur, anybody out there, I really, I can't tell you how important it is. I think that if you're a business person and you actually want to go build your business, I don't care what it is, what kind of business you can have a hair salon all the way down to clothing stores, to restaurants. Once you grasp it, this is amazing moment in time to uh to grasp onto a whole new set of way to run your business and really build yeah. fan loyalty and and you know customer loyalty like you've never done before right that's, that's amazing wow it's a lot to digest what about taxes they, they get that locked down yet how to tax people on this well yeah you know i mean obviously when you move from crypto into us dollars you know the the like coin coinbase and some of these places they all control the they they give you a ledger you know a basically of your trades okay. and you got to pay your taxes like you normally would right there's no you know when you once you convert back to usd you're going to get hit with the taxes the gains on what you bought it at and what stuff so there's no question taxes and those laws are going to be changing more and more i mean there's a lot of people when you don't go out of crypto though you're in good shape you're not having to pay well, taxes it feels like you could move it to another country like you could make a deal in america it feels like it's really good for criminals too. You can just oh, move no the question. money elsewhere, and then uh, obviously anything that's good for anybody can be used for evil. So I mean, I'm not, I'm not going there with it. Either. That's the point. But right. but the point is, they, uh, everyone's always had a hard time locking down money by moving it from country to country, just physical money and bank bank banking. Something yeah. like this is really you can move it anywhere with the best, you know, taxes or whatever, and, and, and cash it in there in another country or. or move stuff around. There's a lot of people working on all kinds of ways not to pay taxes because, you know, if you look at the taxes, we're slaves. I mean, think right. about it. I mean, the, in inflation, when, you know, I remember gas at 35 cents, right? <laughs> well, what's changed in that gas? <laughs> There's nothing. The only thing that's changed is the value of the dollar has dropped because of, 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 of basically no gold standard, nothing right. against it. And they just inflated it to that point. So, and we're basically slaves to paying taxes to so many things that, 
it just doesn't make any sense. It's all this debt that they're putting us into. So this is like I said, we're at a revolutionary point right now in just the history of our country like I've never seen before. This is like this is a pivotal moment. And you're even seeing it, too, it, you know, because the banking system, they're freaking out about crypto because the banks, you, you basically bypass the bank. The bank right. is my wallet to your wallet. That's the bank. Well, it almost I feels too good to be true. It's, it sounds like that's what I'm saying. To me, it feels like it's almost too good to be true when you hear the good parts of it, you know. Well, yeah, there's like it feels be like there's an angle here, like, you know. <laughs> well, you're, 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 there's no question they're trying to do everything they can to knock it out because the last thing they want to do, the central bank want to lose control, right? Because losing control is like, why do I need to... I don't need a bank. I don't need a third party. Just look, if I want to send you $10,000 and you're over in Europe right now, you know how long it's going to take me days to do that. I got to go through this thing. The banks are going to verify. They're going to charge me all those fees. In crypto, I can just go, you, here you go, dude, wallet to wallet. We're done. $10,000, no problem. Or $10,000 worth of form of a crypto. Right. And the fact is that it's portable, you know, and it's decentralized. So it's not going to get shut down. Now, there are issues. There's, look, we're still at the Wild West and there's things going on. But, you know, I'm, I mean, it's, it's, it's an area you definitely want to follow. I mean, I have a friend that's uh, she's a data scientist. She took $6,000 18 months ago and turned it into three and a half million dollars by trading crypto over just getting into it over the, over the holidays here or over the COVID lockdowns, right. uh, basically took a deep dive into it and started figuring it out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of money. I mean, crypto, if you think about it, the Bitcoin went from a dollar to $50,000 in less than 10, in 10 years. It's crazy. No asset class. Yeah. Everything. And they've said it's dead. It's over. How many times, you know, they've the collapse, this, and they're, they're still screaming because you see the people screaming is all the bankers and everything. Oh, crypto is going to go to zero. It's a complete Ponzi scheme. It's all of that. Well, you know, tell that to Elon Musk. It's put billions of dollars. I mean, all these guys, these big corporations, because they're realizing yeah. uh, if I'm sitting on a $200 million balance sheet in my company and I'm looking at, at fiat currency, I'm going, I'm not making any money on that. So that's why there are a lot of these guys are moving this excess dollar into Bitcoin. And again, if they did it, they've doubled, tripled their money in a very in a short period of time in some cases. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not. It's up. It's down. It's it's volatile. And it's that's like the stock market. Some level the value, the, the value could change. It could drop. You could lose. You could bottom out. Yeah, so I personally, am, I'm, I'm I would rather have my money in crypto than in U.S. dollars. Right. <laughs> To be honest, because I just feel that it's it's actually safer there than it is in the banks, uh, from my point of view, right? Because I'm, right. I'm looking at I follow the global finance markets and all this stuff and this inflation they're doing. I mean, it's like the taxation we've never heard. I mean, we're getting killed right now. I mean, and it's and we're not done. This is going to go through the roof, and so it's. You know, it's one of those things you want to got to figure out where you're going to go, you know, buy some gold, buy some silver and buy crypto. <laughs> I'm, I'm there until this all gets figured out. Right. What's going to happen? Because uh, you could wake up one day and all things could be gone. And uh, so you want to make sure you diversify. But, you know, physical assets are the right kind of things and stuff at this time. But, you know, definitely it's it's important to learn. And what's nice about the crypto space, you know, don't you got to be careful because you got to understand how to store the stuff and protect it. So that it's gone, you know, we want to learn hardware wallets. That's why if you're going to get into this, you need to dive in and get educated. You don't just start throwing stuff at it. Now, educate yourself, go through $100, go open a Coinbase account, put a hundred bucks, a couple hundred bucks in there and start trading and start learning how this works. Go on YouTube. There's a, there's a girl by the name. She goes by Crypto Casey. 
Crypto Casey on YouTube. If you Google her or, or put her into the, you know, in YouTube, she's incredible explaining stuff. You just got to go down the, down the rabbit hole, start learning, start getting an understanding, but, you know, start putting a, a little money in savings just to put it into Bitcoin because Bitcoin is like gold. It's, it's a store of value. It's not like as much for the trading aspect of it. It's more like there's 21 million coins ever. That's it. There'll never be any more, right? And we know 3 million of them are lost during the early days. So you're, you're like, you know, 17, 18 million real coins out there. And, you know, scarcity is, and supply and demand is just driving this thing up. Right. And like, we're at 45,000, they're trying to kill it right now, knock it back down again. You know, as this stuff gets knocked down, I mean, just start throwing a little money into it. And if nothing, just put it into Bitcoin and put it away. Right. I mean, and, and take a shot because, they're talking about Bitcoin being a million dollars. So if you put it in there, well, tell me what asset you're going to put money into today that's going to even have a shot. It may take right. two or three years, but I mean, there's a lot of talk. I think the next batch, especially if this inflation goes through all this, the people are going to be looking for saving. Where am I going to put my money that's going to give me some growth? You're going to see more going into that marketplace, which will most likely drive it up. But again, I'm not giving anybody, I'm not telling you advice. I'm just saying from my point of view, you have to, you don't want to miss this opportunity to look at because it's not like there isn't people making a ton of dough. I, I, I got, here's a great funny story. I was up, I belong to this men's group called metal media entertainment, technology, artist leaders. It's been going on for since the early, early, early nineties. Right. And, um, um, and, um, and, uh, uh, so we went to this meeting and these guys, this group happens to have a bunch of the biggest crypto people there. And they were up there talking about it and they were saying, you, everybody should buy some of this. I, it was either $7 or $70 a coin. I can't remember. It was seven somethings <laughs> and we should buy this stuff. Right. And so I thought, ah, you know, I'm going to, it was too early. It was so early. It's 2010, 11 early days. So I didn't really do it. So I get a call from a friend of mine in 2017. Uh, yeah. and he says, Paige, can you come over here? I want to talk to you. I said, what is it? He said, I don't want to talk about it on the phone. I said, what is it? He says, I really don't want to talk about it. Everything's okay, but can you come over? I said, okay. So I come over to his house and he says, dude, you remember that day we were sitting there and those, and the dudes, our buddies were all telling us to go buy that. He says, I took a fluke. I wrote, I bought $50,000 worth. Whoa. He opened up his digital wall. He had $90 million in his wallet. What? $90 million in his wallet. I was like, what? Yeah, because it went up to like 16,000 or whatever. Well, I forget the number was. And he was like, dude, what do I do? How do you get out? Because it was hard. You can't just say, oh, I got 90 million dollars. I want to cash out. It doesn't work that way. It didn't work that way. More, it wasn't as liquid in those times. Well, I said, there's a Ferrari dealer down in, uh, in Newport Beach. Go buy 10 Ferraris, right? And with Bitcoin, they'll take Bitcoin. And so he went and bought a $6 million house. And I think he bought five or six Ferraris. And then he turned around and sold the Ferraris to get the fiat to get the cash out of it. So I have no idea what he's worth now that now that we're up more closer to that 40, 45, 46, $47,000 right now. Man, right? that's like buying island money. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. He was scared. He was just, I'm just a guy. So he didn't want anybody to know he was scared because, oh, yeah. you know, of anybody like finding out, coming, kidnapping his kids and whatever. There's all kinds yeah. of craziness that goes on in that, in that world, you know, so. That is insane. Fascinating, right? I'm definitely going to do some deep diving. I'm, I'm easy for deep diving. You want to do deep so dive. Yeah, man. NFTs, go in there. Just use Google. Just start going at it. Start following Gary V. 
you know, Vaynerchuk, he's like Gary Vaynerchuk is a big proponent. He really understands it. And so I would really suggest, you know, you want to find some people that are really in the game. Gary V is definitely one of them. There's quite a few, but, you know, go on Twitter, type in, you know, hashtag NFT, start following everybody you can in the NFT space and just start learning, reading, eating, sleeping. I spend, you know, when I'm not working business wise, I'm all day in NFTs now, everything, because the, the opportunity is so big and so awesome. And we're really at the beginning of it. It's not like anybody's missed anything yet, but those that jump on the bandwagon now will figure it out. Now, some people are going to lose their ass. There's no question, right? They're going to get in high. They're going to do things wrong, but that's why you want to get in there and start learning. You want to learn about how to have crypto wallets that are hardwired wallets, like the Trezor that you can basically put your assets on. So it protects things you want to, you got to learn how to, to secure and stuff, because if you lose your, 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 your seed phrase, which is the thing that allows you to find your crypto again. Or if you lose, if you give out your personal, your private key, you can lose everything. And once it's gone, if you lose your wallet, you lose your passwords, you don't have your stuff. It's gone. It's done. It sounds like the plot of every action movie coming out now. <laughs> yeah. So, so you have to be very careful about how you manage and store your assets and what you do. But that's why before you do anything, you want to go jump in and start doing the education and spend that 25, 30 hours deep diving into the game. And, you know, start, like I said, dollar start dollar cost averaging, maybe lightly into Bitcoin, just a little bit at a time, right? You don't have to go crazy, uh, but just start putting a little bit in once a month, you know, put a couple hundred bucks in if you can or whatever. And, you know, it's a, it's a ride that you want to, I think it's worth taking a shot at, you know, obviously it's risky, but it's the risk is getting less and less as all these institutions and as the big buyers are coming into the marketplace. Right. So it's just, yeah, I, I you know, don't wow. put anything you can't lose in, but you know, it could be just great for you over time. Right. That's amazing. Thank you. This is a little, a little education and bonus education today. I thought we were just going to kill the music, but this is a, uh... Yeah, I always go this way. Be. You know, we all it's know good. about the music part, but it's like, how do I make money in music? How do I live, survive now? Well, that's, that's important, actually. It's important for artists, and I think them to understand, and I'm a big proponent of trying to educate people and give them, show them this opportunity, because even like that girl, the photography girl, she jumped in six months later, she's making an incredible living. She's supporting her community, and she's and this, I mean, she's really nobody that anybody would know. It's not like you have all this craziness that you would have, but you know, like you're really famous, you can make it happen. No, this is about your community. You start small, you get your supporters, you get around it, you start learning how this works. And, you know, you might come up with something that's just so cool that just goes through the roof and takes you to the next level. But it is true, totally fan engagement and experience. That's why these are important to understand. And, you know, I'm just a big proponent, proponent of as an artist, the, you know, creating your art, it's the art of making what you do and the art of business coming together which creates the environment for you to succeed because I'm, it's not about like selling out. It's about, it's about getting to the point where you can really do your art and have the ways to support yourself yeah. when you're spending all your time doing what you're doing. Right. So this is the greatest opportunity that I've ever seen in my entire career for the artist. It takes all the power away from the big guys and puts it back into your hands to control it. And the blockchain helps you do all that heavy lifting that you were relying on the record companies to do to manage your, you know, where the money's flowing and how it's coming in. And this is totally transparent. You get all of your royalties. You're right. It's publishing. It's source and then derivative works. It's yeah. 
it's everything. So, uh, you know, if I left anything for anybody out there, and again, anybody that's starting a business, this is about direct to consumer business models. And it, it, it ties in, I don't care what business you're doing, because these are experiences, even if you own a, you know, a salon business, NFTs can be those golden tickets for unique things for your salons and things that you can bring, you know, retreats that you may put on and ways of selling other bundled kind of services into your stuff. And, you know, it's just, it's just, but you have to grasp what it is. And once you understand tokenization, it's like, I remember I was like, okay, you know, I've been around crypto and I kind of watched the crypto punks and the crypto, you know, crypto kitties when that first came out. And I'm like, okay, I still didn't get it. And then I remember sitting in bed one and I sat up and I went, holy cow, I get it now. But the light went off. And I went, this oh, really? is the biggest thing from that moment. I was like 100% in, right? So excellent. there you go. So you, that's, that's excellent. Last note we'll end on is you have a, a thing at EXP. Think Experience is my company. It's uh, an yes. experience entertainment, you know, immersive entertainment company. And then I have my band Think X, which okay. is uh, basically my band with Stephen Perkins from Jane's Addiction, Nord Fisher from Love Fishbone, and, and Kenny Olsen from oh. Kid Rock's band. And then we have guys that we work with, uh, the great Eric Day, who's going out. Um, he'll be opening up for Motley Crue this year. And and then Will Champlin, he goes by Kill Will, who is a monster, monster singer, keyboard artist coming up. We have this band, Think X. And so we play gigs. We've been doing, uh, the we did, before COVID, we did 40 shows in this immersive dome in downtown Los Angeles. We just started them up we did another one last friday got two coming up in february and and then my whole thing is i'm around all this nfts i'm speaking and doing a thing at ces for a nifty agenda then i'm going to um uh, a Sundance and I'm speaking there about NFTs. And then we're launching NFT LA, which when I'm one of the sort of co-producers, I'm producing the live events after the big conference that'll be happening at LA live coming up. So it's all about NFTs, all about experience. We're going to be doing live minting real time uh, stuff, streaming into the metaverse live shows. And so I'm really involved in this whole new model of web three and where the model, where the money is by business models. And, What's great is it's the opportunity to um, really do some good too, because you can build uh, things into these contracts that can actually support and solve other problems. So it's, I think this is a real artist renaissance that we're seeing and I'm having the most fun that I've had in years. I feel like a kid again, being in this, cause it's, well, the it's contagious. So powerful. You're, 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 you're giving off a contagious feeling as you yeah, share this, you know, it's yeah, exciting. It's, it's all about the community and I've never seen a community like this. And I really believe we're in this great awakening on the planet right now. You're seeing people stand up for their rights and stuff worldwide. And there's just a big yeah, shift yeah. of power that's going on in crypto and all this, and this direct to artist to the fan direct and money exchanges, direct, no middleman. I mean, this is a massive revolution and you're seeing these communities. I just came back from uh, uh, Decentral uh, Con in Miami uh, I spoke on a panel there, but it was the whole week of just stuff with Art Basel. It should have been called NFT Basel uh, because everybody's realizing for the art community, this is how they're going to basically control and make their money and and be uh, in control of their lives again and take back the power, which is what's happening. This is a power grab. That's incredible. So they can reach you at your website? 
Right. My 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 thing is just everything is I A M Scott Page. I am Scott Page. That's it. At I am Scott Page. You can find me on all the different channels. Um, and again, I'm on Instagram or something. If somebody yeah. finds me or Twitter, or whatever, just hit me up. I talk to everybody. So uh you know and i can hip them on to what's going on and i'm actually very excited today oh I'm, yeah. I'm gonna, let me do this real quick yeah. so i have actually i'm having a drop of uh, I'm, I'm part of a, a new drop that just launched yesterday called a-list apes and it's uh basically kind of part of this whole global thing here i'm going to see if i can find this real quick uh this is fun i'll show you my uh we did a series of uh uh, I got, I became an A-list ape here. Um, hold on, where's my thing here? Hold on, hold on. Uh, let me see, Zach, where are we guys? Here we go. Okay, here we go. This will get you right here. So these are our first apes. So here's my first, this will be my one of a kind A-list ape, right? That's me. They did our whole band. We've got, uh, we've got Stephen Perkins there. We've got, uh, we've got Kenny Olson there. And then we've got uh, Norwood Fisher there. So we have our drop a-list apes. These are the drop is just happening today. The whitelist, it's going great, and I'm excited to be part of that project. So there you go. It's a scoop and exclusive. That's awesome. Yep. It's been really good. I want to I want to thank you, man. This is thank you very much. I'm thank you for your show and letting me spew for an hour. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is exactly what people need to hear, and I'll probably dive into it. Maybe I'll reach out to you next year and be like, "All right, I got some questions now." <laughs> very good. All right, thank you, man. All right, my friend.